week. Hey, this is Humboldt Last Week. I'm the host, Miles Cochran. This is a way to listen to highlights from Humboldt's last week of news while you do stuff. Thank you so much for listening. The podcast is averaging over 1,400 listeners per episode over the last two months. Never thought it would take off like this. So again, seriously, thank you. Please like Humboldt Last Week if you haven't already on Facebook. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, anything like that. Tell a friend. Of course, you can always connect in all the ways at HumboldtLastWeek.com. Support this week comes from Los Bagels. Since 1984, Los Bagels has been pleasing the world's taste buds with boiled and baked organic bagels. Cucumbin, bacon scram, whatever your flavor, they have it for you. Or ship bagels to yourself or friends at losbagels.com. Also, the Jitter Bean Coffee Company, celebrating 20 years of being a family-owned company in Humboldt County. Go visit any of their six locations in Arcata, Eureka, or Fortuna, your locally roasted community-minded coffee shop. On your way to a better day with Jitter Bean. And Bongo Boy Studio, they're one of Humboldt's best resources for musicians. Great room, world-class signal path, pro-level engineers, and a 15-year history of successful projects. They also archive tapes and make CDs and DVDs locally in short runs. For more info, call 839-5090 or go to bongoboystudio.com. Let's begin. That guy from Eureka in his early 20s who's accused of shooting a 19-year-old young woman to death while she sat in a car last summer he is reportedly looking to dismiss one or more of his charges. This happened at a hotel off-Broadway, and it's alleged he was trying to kill the victim's boyfriend, who was also in the car, but the boyfriend was unscathed. Testimony reported by Loco suggested the suspect was trying to buy drugs from the boyfriend, and the deal went bad. The guy's looking at murder, attempted murder, shooting from his vehicle, and firing at a car with people in it. Again, he's looking to dismiss one or more of those charges. The top Facebook response to this coverage was one from a family member of the victim, partially saying, quote, that will not be the only thing that gets dropped if that happens. Go do your time. It'll be far less painful than what I'm going to do to you. A new trial setting appearance for the suspect, Max Robeson, was scheduled for August 2nd. A couple of dogs swam out into the Eel River south of Myers Flat and attacked a woman who was kayaking with her friends. According to Kim Kemp, they didn't bark or growl. They just lunged into the water, and one of the pit bulls punctured her arm through her jacket. Ouch. She fought him off with her paddle, escaped, and had to go to the hospital. This drummed up some of that anti-pit bull bullshit from people that don't realize it. It doesn't matter what dog breed you have. It's bad owners that raise bad dogs. A psychological exam could determine whether a woman will go to prison for the death of her daughter in Arcata. According to Loco, the 28-year-old Polish national was charged with child abuse leading to the death of her 7-week-old daughter. This poor baby suffered multiple skull fractures and bruising on her calves and left hand. The next hearing is on the 21st. Some people that have been called, quote, evil slumlords lost a lawsuit. We're talking about Floyd and Betty Squires in a couple buildings on G Street in Eureka. Places that frequently hosted drug sales, trash everywhere, fire hazards, needles, condoms, ton of police calls, car break-ins, gunshots, shootings, a cesspool of bad shit. According to the journal, the 20 complainants were awarded various amounts from one and a half to five grand. These two are already in a six-year lawsuit with Eureka over conditions at 26 of their rentals, including these G Street properties. If you live in Fortuna and you're going on vacation, the cops say they have volunteers that'll swing by your house to make sure everything's going all right. Hmm, wondering if telling a random group of strangers when I'll be gone is a good thing or a bad thing. Anyway, the intention is good. You just have to fill out a form. It's a nice thing they're doing. 
There was a head-on collision at the Samoa Bridge. Officers say they arrested a guy for driving under the influence. Just an awful situation, but on a more sort of what do we do with that note uh, other than don't drink and drive. I liked this comment on the Loco Post, quote, people need to stop passing on those Samoa Bridges. I drive that route every day to take and pick up my kid at school and see a lot of stupid driving. Where the hell are you people trying to get so fast? Do you have chronic diarrhea? Last week, I talked about going fast and heading straight. Now it's all about going fast and turning left. It's car racing season at Redwood Acres. Always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. I'll put up a link for info on the next car racing event. That's coming up Saturday, June 10th. How about that women-only screening of Wonder Woman at the Minor Theater in Arcata, June 6th? The Miner says this is to celebrate women empowerment and the first modern superhero blockbuster with a female lead. They're saying, staff included, if you don't identify as female, please go to any of the other 12 screenings that week. Testosterone to a different showing. Okay, I realize testosterone actually ends with an N. Anyway, the Miner won't card you at the box office either way, but they're hoping people respect the ladies-only theme. Go get it, girls. Not that you needed anyone's permission. Did you see the adorable nine-second video of that little kid changing a tractor tire at KimKemp.com? You fixing this tire, bud? What? This little dude is destined for big things. Growing up at his farm in Carlotta, he also transports fresh eggs in between swigs from his sippy cup, of course. Uh, there's a new app where you can find tsunami zones in Humboldt because these maps are way too hard to find on Google, right? No, I get it. Maybe they'll reach a different audience here. The app creator is Todd Becker. He partially said this to Channel 3, quote, You can use your GPS on the phone to identify if the location you're standing on right at the moment is within the tsunami hazard zone, and then also take a look at where you would want to evacuate. It's just in higher ground. Experts say higher ground is where you want to go. Did you hear about the Eureka detective who is not in uniform who just came across this guy allegedly up in smoking meth in Old Town? Nothing to see here except crippling addiction and a massive ignorance of common sense. Uh, the suspect also allegedly had heroin and was arrested. No word if the same guy, I don't know, eats cheeseburgers in front of the exercise class at the gym or steals charity buckets directly in front of HD cameras or, I don't know, signs what he thinks to be anonymous comments on the internet with his full name and social security number. Humboldt's own pop music megastar and six-time Grammy Award nominee Sarah Bareilles been doing a musical called Waitress in New York, and a group of Fortuna High School students recently got to check it out. She partially wrote this to her over 1.6 million Facebook likers, quote, They asked me what I missed about Humboldt, and I answered with my first thought of the great sequoias and natural beauty, but in reflecting more, I wish I would have just said the people. She's forever grateful for her home, and we're forever grateful for her. Uh, when you're at the bar late at night getting drunk, do you ever think, I wish I could be at the bar late at night getting drunk for two whole more hours? Um, okay, I'm not in that boat, but some apparently are. There's a bill to allow bars to extend last call from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. After approval from the state Senate, this is going to go to the Assembly now. Uh, it would not apply to liquor stores. A local bar owner told Channel 3 he'd try it out if it passed, but the Eureka Police Chief worried about the extra staff they'd have to apply to that and the effect of more hours for drinking. A uh, Hoopa woman was arrested after allegedly getting her meth in the mail. A uh, reminder not to meth with the mail process. It's a real pick-her-up package, a poisonous parcel. Uh, a druggy delivery 
You've heard about flavor of the week deliveries. This is flavor of the tweak. Let's see, the hospitals in Eureka and Arcata got their trauma center designation. Before this, you had to go to Reading for trauma care, which was too far for immediate services. So St. Joe's president partially told Channel 3, quote, there's something called the golden hour of trauma. The first hour after an accident is the best time to intervene and save a patient's life. We can affect the care that the patient needs very, very efficiently, and we believe this will save lives. Good. Now let's check out Humboldt next week. Some things going on coming up. Got the Summer Arts and Music Festival down in Benbow, the 3rd and the 4th. On Monday the 5th, you can watch a Jimi Hendrix concert on the big screen at Humbrews in Arcata. That's at 8 o'clock. It's Jimi Hendrix with the big screen and big sound. Sounds fun. Tuesday the 6th at the Jambalaya in Arcata. Stand-up comedy starts at 9. 5 bucks on that, 21+. plus. Wednesday the 7th, more comedy at the Eureka Inn at 9 o'clock. That's 21+. plus. Thursday the 8th, Martinis by the Bay at the Warfinger Building, 5 to 7 p.m., 35 bucks, 21 plus. Enjoy the talents of eight mixologists on loan from the North Coast Premier Cocktail Providing Establishments. You don't see this a lot. Thursday the 8th, stand-up comedy at Lil Red Lion in Eureka at 8.30, 21 plus. Friday the 9th, Arts Arcata in downtown, 6 to 9. Saturday the 10th, Farmer's Market in Arcata, 9 a.m. until 2. That's going on now, Saturdays. All right, I'm here with Will Houston, reporter for The Times Standard. Thanks for your time, Will. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So Humboldt County's civil grand jury is saying our at-risk kids are not getting the help they need. Uh, They say children here that are abused and neglected are, quote, ill-served. That's the term that they used, and these vulnerable kids are potentially falling through the cracks. Uh, In the grand jury's report, they say they found major problems in how these kids' cases are handled. Uh, There's three main players here. One, the sheriff's office. Two, the schools. And three, possibly the main focal point, child welfare services with the county. Will, you've been poring over these grand jury reports, and there's a lot of reading, am I right? Yeah, it's about, uh, I think it's close to 20 pages here of them, so they, they're able to break down a pretty large topic into uh, somewhat smaller reports, but there's definitely a lot to go through. It's very dense information. Yeah, a lot of dense information. Must have taken you a while to pour through it, and we thank you for sifting through it and providing an analysis. Bottom line, Will, after looking at all of this stuff you know, over the last week, what's your takeaway? Uh, the main takeaway from this report and just speaking with some of the uh, individuals involved with this, uh, including the sheriff's office, Sheriff Billy Hansel, as uh, well as the superintendent of school, Chris Hartley, there's major communications issues between uh, many of the players involved with dealing with child abuse investigations. And it appears that understaffing and a high turnover at the uh, Child Welfare Services Department is playing a pretty large role into that. So at this point, uh, right now, it seems like these issues have been going on for several years with no real solution. And uh, now it seems within the the start of this year that some movement is uh, going forward in terms of efforts to improve communications and efforts to meet and change current protocol. Now, you had mentioned that this has been going on for a lot of years, and I think when people hear about this, they say, oh, yeah, I already know this. But you spoke with the foreman of the grand jury, James Glover. They spent eight months on this investigation, and he said, yeah, they could have held back their findings, uh, but they decided against that. Why did he decide against holding back these findings? 
he had expressed that uh, he felt that the public should know about this issue. Uh, the reason he had stated that earlier was because the Attorney General's Office for the state is currently investigating uh, the county and has subpoenaed uh, uh, several years' worth of records from it, uh, looking into uh, their compliance with child abuse uh, reporting laws. Since that investigation has been going on for over a year, uh, he considered maybe whether or not they should look into this or whether or not they should wait for that uh, those findings to come out and what the state does. But he just said that uh, felt this issue uh, was of such relevance and importance to the area that they couldn't hold back on it. Right. Yeah, the public needs to know the depth of this problem, like he said. Now, let's start with the three players here. First, it's the sheriff's office. What did the grand jury find related to the cops here, the sheriff's office? All right, so, uh, yeah, just to break it down a little bit, um, the sheriff's office is, uh, uh, the deputies are, uh, are mandatory reporters under, uh, California child abuse reporting laws. And essentially what a mandatory reporter is, is, uh, while that person is working in their, uh, official capacity, uh, they are required by law to report any suspicion of, uh, child abuse or neglect. Um, and that can go to the uh, county welfare services and uh, also within their own agencies. And there's several uh, types of mandatory reporters. It's not just uh, law enforcement. There's teachers, all the school districts in our area. Every employee in them right now is, is a mandatory reporter. Essentially, what they uh, have expressed to the grand jury, the deputies had stated that they've had uh, – uh, issues with child welfare services responding to their reports, uh, sometimes taking weeks in order to actually respond to them, or uh, sometimes child welfare services uh, would uh, send uh, groups of reports at the end of the day on Friday uh, all at once. They cross-reference to each other to, to investigate some of these incidents. Sheriff Hansel, I spoke to him this week, and he was saying that, yes, this has been a problem that's been going on for a long time, and there's really no excuse for it. And he said it's been frustrating, especially since he was uh, formerly a uh, child abuse uh, services team investigator for the DA's office. He found some of this information shocking. But also with the sheriff's office, there has been uh, the deputies, some of the deputies interviewed by the grand jury had stated that they uh, felt that some of the new deputies or supervisors were not prepared or not well trained enough to actually uh, work with these cases. And uh, sometimes they uh, didn't know how to handle them. And uh, there was one specific case that was brought up by school districts. They were saying that sheriff's deputies actually would reveal to the families of uh, some of these alleged child abuse victims uh, that it was actually the schools who had uh, filed the report against them. And uh, apparently what their excuse was for doing that was, well, the families were going to figure out anyway that the schools did this just based on the circumstances. And uh, Sheriff Hansel said that deputies in their field training and uh, in the academy, they are taught that you cannot reveal uh, the identities of these mandatory reporters, that in fact it's a misdemeanor to actually do that. And uh, he stated to me this week that that will not be tolerated. Uh, as far as the concerns about uh, sheriff's deputies not being trained, some of the deputies expressed that they had brought this up to administration and that they haven't had any proper resolution to those uh, concerns. And uh, Sheriff Hansel had stated he hadn't heard anything about any of these concerns, and he questioned some of the findings of that just because he says that uh, these deputies are trained both in field training and the academy to uh, follow mandatory reporting laws. 
Mm-hmm. You know, new sheriff in town. Uh, last week, Sheriff Hansel and I did have a conversation about something somewhat related. He said one of his priorities is handling juvenile cases here. Uh, he seemed very passionate about encouraging people to report. And like you had said, you know, his background is uh, working specifically in some of this stuff. So nice to hear that he uh, has his eye on the prize in this situation. And would you agree that, you know, he's got a good handle on this? Uh, right now, what he had told me is that uh, he has been speaking with child welfare services officials this year, uh, specifically about these issues and these communications issues. And he says his goal is to create a memorandum of understanding uh, between the sheriff's office and child welfare services to really uh, nail down what the procedures are whenever these reports come through. So uh, his goal is to have the child welfare services notify the sheriff's office immediately uh, once they receive a report, if not within the 24-hour time frame, which is the protocol of the county to respond to reports like these. So. So moving on from the sheriff's office, let's talk about how schools play a role in this. Uh, Obviously, they interact with these vulnerable kids a lot. What do the reports say about them? What could they do better? Yeah, the school districts, um, they are the ones that actually prompted this entire investigation by the grand jury. Superintendents had uh, expressed concern to the grand jury about uh, child welfare services, delayed responses to their reports of uh, child abuse or neglect, or sometimes no responses coming through at all from child welfare services. So uh, essentially when the grand jury talked with these school districts, they also found that the school districts had some issues as well in terms of following mandatory reporting protocols. I guess one school district here had been stating that uh, they did not file a written report after making their initial call uh, to uh, Child Welfare Services, and that's part of the law. You have to file a written report and submit that as well to document it, and one of the reasons for that was uh, trying to be anonymous for some of these individuals to trying to remain anonymous so they don't get involved, but uh, they said that the grand jury found that you have to uh, submit those written reports, and those weren't coming through sometimes. And there was also the school districts weren't keeping track of the reports that were being made. Chris Hartley, the superintendent of schools, said that teachers and uh, all mandated reporters who are employed at the district, they go through these trainings every year, and he's also setting up trainings for substitute teachers. He said they should know that you have to both make a call and file a report at the same time. So he did not think this was a widespread issue, and his reasoning for that was because the grand jury had uh, reviewed about uh, 250 reports that were filed by the school district uh, over to Child Welfare Services, and the grand jury found that uh, uh, all 250 were filled out correctly, and uh, that was one of the uh, criticisms by members of the Child Welfare Services that were interviewed by the grand jury. They stated that, well, school districts, they sometimes, the employees didn't fill them out correctly or they didn't understand uh, what they had to do in order to actually make a report. So um, that's what the grand jury wanted to audit some of those reports to see if that was actually the case. And for that sampling, that wasn't. You can see how easily this could happen in the interest of remaining anonymous on behalf of these school districts. You can see them not filing these reports, but then at the same time, some children with multiple reports filed against them, you'd have no idea because they weren't being archived. So um, sounds like Superintendent of Schools Chris Hartley is making sure that that's not going to happen anymore. Yeah, he'd been saying that the Department of Health and Human Services, which uh, oversees the uh, Child Welfare Services Division, has been meeting with local school districts for several years now uh, as uh, 
part of regular monthly meetings uh, to discuss uh, topics of significance and the relevance to both uh, agencies and groups. He was saying that this uh, child abuse reporting was not really a topic that was brought to the forefront during a lot of these meetings, and uh, he stated this report is now a way to uh, drive that conversation forward and improve the communication. So he's hoping that this is going to be a jumping off point here. You had mentioned that Child Welfare Services is under investigation by the state attorney general's office earlier. I think that brings, you know, the final player here into perspective. Let's talk about the county, CWS, Child Welfare Services. The jury foreman said, while they're not entirely to blame for these issues, they are the main focal point. Why are they the main focal point, Will? Well, they're the the main agency for the county that's tasked with uh, uh, looking into and tracking these uh, reports of child abuse and neglect as they move forward and, and eventually possibly referring them to uh, the court system and eventually as that moves forward. Or if they find that there's uh, no evidence of abuse or neglect, but they find that there's underlying issues uh, with the family, they can direct them to uh, family counseling services or different types of services that may improve the situation here. Essentially, what the uh, main issue that seems to be underlining all this is the fact that there's a high turnover of staff there, and um, uh, that has to do with uh, some issues raised by uh, Child Welfare Services employees. They were saying that it's a high caseload, but also the fact that there's a long, drawn-out hiring process. Apparently, they're saying it could take several months, four months to hire a social worker. Uh, Also, they're saying that maybe there's not enough mentoring going on to Uh, give these social workers the institutional knowledge to actually be able to handle these cases. So it just seems to be a lot piling together. And for school districts and sheriff's office who are calling in, uh, they say there's issues of uh, these social workers, since there's such high turnover, uh, not realizing that the child that they're reporting on may have a history of reports being filed for them. So a lot of it comes back down to that. And the uh, grand jury found that the county is allocating about $6.3 million for these child abuse investigations and uh, identifying these children. So it seems a lot of the issue has to do with actually retaining the staff to to keep this department going forward. And essentially what the uh, sheriff's office and school districts were saying was uh, that was the main topic of concern for the child welfare services. Yeah, so in pouring over, you know, some of your coverage on this, one thing kind of comes to mind, these numbers from 2015 and 2016, where Child Welfare Services was allegedly not following up on over half of their almost 2,900 reports from those two years, usually without even getting in touch with reporters or alleged victims. Uh, I would imagine they've gone through some changes since then. Is that right? Yeah, so essentially, since this report has come out earlier in the year, uh, Child Welfare Services has been stating that it has gone through uh, some changes here to address some of these issues. And one of them was to uh, get rid of the uh, original screening process for these calls and how they intake some of these reports. Originally, they had a screener to review them, and there's also intake forms that had to be submitted. Now, they have a hotline, so once a report comes in, it's immediately forwarded over to a social worker. That's resulted in less social workers being in the field, according to some of the CWS staff that the grand jury had interviewed, but they also stated that this was uh, better serving the calls that are coming in from the community being able to actually improve response to them. The grand jury also uh, applauded CWS, uh, Child Welfare Services, for contracting with the University of uh, California Davis to 
improve their programs and practices and procedures, but also setting up a task force with law enforcement and school districts to discuss policies and essentially uh, improve the overall communications between the departments. But uh, some have felt that there needs to be more uh, steps taken to address this. The uh, executive director of CASA of Humboldt, which uh, stands for the uh, Humboldt County Court-Appointed Special Advocates for Children, he was stating that the Board of Supervisors needs to consider uh, possibly appointing an independent consultant to really look into this issue. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if I'm paraphrasing correctly, when it comes to these solutions, the civil grand jury is offering up, it's kind of like develop a way to rate how those involved are handling this stuff, uh, get people to respond to child abuse and neglect faster, get enough capable staff, improve communication. I know it's easier said than done, but, um, you know, we thank the civil grand jury for doing this investigation. So the sheriff's office, office of education, and then child welfare services, they're required to submit responses to these reports, right? Yes. So uh, they've got about uh, 60 to 90 days to be able to respond to this. Those usually have to go through the Board of Supervisors. If they're departments, uh, those will go through the Board of Supervisors. So those will all be publicly available. And Child Welfare Services, we've reached out to them to comment on this. And uh, the Department of Health and Human Services, public information officers, let us know that they're going to be responding to questions after they uh, file their reports to the grand jury. All right. Well, thanks so much for your coverage, Will. Is there anything else you want to mention? Um, yeah, the uh, Attorney General's Office investigation that's been going on, we reached out to them this week, and they said that this investigation is ongoing still. What they are looking at is uh, several years of records of uh, child abuse, neglect, and out-of-care placement, essentially foster care placement uh, for children what the outcome of that could be. There's several. It's uh, either a negotiated settlement between the county and the state, some policy changes or practice reforms. Uh, the state could begin monitoring the county over this or even file a civil lawsuit. Sheriff Honsville has been saying that they've been working with the DOJ as well to uh, work on these issues and come to some type of conclusion uh, or some type of agreement. So not sure when that will be coming through. The Attorney General's office is, uh, does not want to comment on this until that investigation is completed. Well, it's an important story, Will. Thank you so much for looking into it. Yeah, thanks for your time, Will. And thanks so much to Jitterbean Coffee Company, Los Bagels, and Bongo Boy Studio for sponsoring this episode. Please do like Humboldt Last Week on Facebook if you haven't already, and I'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Humboldt Last Week.